Well, howdy. Hello, hello. Welcome <laughs> to Kara's podcast. Well, well, well. I'm here at the University of Utah in their podcast booth in their library, and I work in the philanthropy center and spend most days just gushing about this place because there's so many awesome things to do here. If whoever you are, get involved with your local university. There's so many exciting things happening and so many resources to use and just like, oh, there's so much research happening and exciting things and they're always having fun activities and service opportunities and networking time. So, yes. Well, <laughs> welcome. I don't know what I will be calling this podcast. I have many names in the running. Um, Team America. Um, the world's biggest basket case. Um, America. <laughs> uh, the most dysfunctional family. America. <laughs> and just the world. Or... Who knows? But my goal in this um, space is to bring peace and hope and love into the world that is scary a lot of the time and anxiety inducing. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm coming from the background. I am in my 20s, I am a white female. Um, there are some secrets as well about my life that, um, some people are inclined to know, um, <laughs> I'll keep the rest myself, but I also am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who is more liberal-leaning and wants to bring more unity to um, our country because a lot of the things happening are scary and frustrating and it makes it hard to trust people and we deserve to be peaceful and to trust because I look around and I see all the trees and the birds and the insects just having a flippin' awesome time even though the world is like burning the deers are just like oh there's some raspberries in your yard let's go let's go get them the <laughs> yeah, I feel like nature is trying to tell us just to breathe and that change does not happen quickly often unless you're in avalanche and those there are way more trees than there are avalanches, I say, from my common sense. So <laughs> to translate that to a more um, social, relatable level, the world is just increasingly um, trying to make progress in standing up for people, including every person's experience, whether they're um, a man or woman, transgender, intersex, um, gay, lesbian, bisexual, non-binary, black, white, um, native, indigenous, 
um, from Spanish-speaking countries and um, countries in Asia and in Africa. Oh man, there's just so many people to experience and so many people to learn from, so many people to love. And it's um, frustrating to hear that it's hard for some people to um, step into that space of trying to understand other people. So this semester, I am taking a gender studies class and an environmental justice class. And every day I learn something that makes me angry, <laughs> that makes me want to take action and do something that gives me energy I can feel in my body that I need to get out. And it's frustrating when you don't feel like there's any solutions. So many people experienced a lot of these emotions, especially in the 2016 presidential election in the U.S. Um, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were the um, Democratic and Republican candidates. And as we know, um, Donald Trump was elected. I feel dirty saying that name. <laughs> I'm sorry if that's someone that you somehow find comfort in. Um, I do want to make this a space that is comfortable for everyone because we need to build relationships of trust and love and respect if we want it. And so, yeah, anyway, <laughs> a lot of relationships and trust were broken in 2016 during this election because people were just, yeah, it's hard to understand how some people think and make sense of the world and can trust people that um, they disagree with morally. But a lot of action was taken on social media to have hard conversations with people in personal lives. I know I read a lot um, on Instagram stories and DM'd a lot of people, received DMs about um, issues on... Um, labor rights and the economy and, um, you know, other sensitive issues, but I didn't get into anywhere satisfying. These conversations were often frustrating and disheartening and did not generate hope. Um, as time went on, we we kind of accepted more of um, the world's state and found groups that we feel more comfortable in. Um, there are many grassroots organizations trying to help people um, find relief from social injustice, environmental injustice, income inequality, and um, lack of um, lack of choice over someone's body. And um, there are a lot of people who find comfort in um, churches and Christian Christianity and in um, their families. Um, and we all have intersecting, um, to quote Kimberly Quinshaw's term, 
Um, she's a black feminist and she created the term intersectionality, um, which kind of means we all have different parts of ourselves, um, whether they're gender, race, um, sexual orientation, religious identity, um, age, and they all just impact our experiences so differently. And um, it's important to recognize those things to better understand each other. But anyway, um, we all are intersecting in our own personal circles um, with people who maybe maybe supported Trump or maybe were indifferent. Maybe we um, support the Democratic Party and um, people we know may fall somewhere in between where we don't know what they think about things and we're kind of afraid of that. And um, especially when it comes to living in Utah and having family that um, does not go to church and some that do go to church that... Um, for me, grew up growing up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um, has been, yeah, brought a lot of intersectionality <laughs> into um, my experience with um, the people in my family and friend group. And yeah, but anyway, I believe that we can make more progress socially when we have respect for one another and have conversations about hard things in a way that generates hope. So the thing we were missing on social media was respect. When you um, see someone say something controversial online, you are not in their home, you are not in their life, you may not even be very close to this person. A lot of people I had hard conversations with I maybe met on my mission and didn't talk with a lot, but they just came at me with really hard um, opinions. And then the conversation was was left at that. There was no um, kind of appreciation of each other's humanness and other parts of our experience. Because... um, because our country was founded on uh, slavery and um, domination over other cultures and races, um, there's a lot of lingering effects, even though we've made great strides through the civil rights movement and um, feminis- the feminist movement and um, the LGBTQ movement. Um, we've come a long way from violence um, and separation and exploitation, but there's still work to do. Because um, of this this um, foundation we are built upon in America of slavery and injustice, um, there are lingering effects and the people who are white um, are descendants of people who made really sad decisions that hurt a lot of people and so we have the responsibility to um, mend these um, injustices and help our country repent and redeem um, those that have been harmed. Um, But how do we help this happen? 
is yelling at each other going to work is um posting on instagram helping is um uprising and protesting helping um a lot of these answers are yes anger towards these issues is important and can be employed in ways that really do make a difference but we can also make big mistakes um, when we um, do not look at ourselves as we try to help the world. For example, um, a lot of people are just angry at um, white people, white women, white men. And um, there are definitely things I'm very frustrated by as well, um, but we cannot go around dismissing entire groups of people. Um, whether we like it or not, we all exist, and we have to find a way to um, live with that. And um, so we all deserve to be here. None of us asked to be born in the household we were placed in. No one deserves rights more than others. Um, and it's important to not stand for behavior that is damaging to others, but we cannot, um, say that someone's entire life and contribution is irrelevant because every human is born, a child is born innocent is born with love and throughout our whole lives um, no matter who we are there are remnants of that and in some people they are strengthened and grow very largely and some people they are made very small depending on their life experiences but there are parts of us that want to help that want to be good and whether we can comprehend it or not, God understands everybody's perspective and um, he has a plan. So there's no correct party to belong to. There's no way to comprehend every wrongdoing that has ever happened. And no, no one white person carries um, the weight of the decisions of millions of white people who did bad things. <laughs> so we need, when we go around correcting people, we need to do it with love. And that's where my religion comes in, um, which you may not be religious, um, you may not be Christian, um, but the way the story I've been told growing up has really given me a lot of peace around these issues. Um, and whether you take it literally or not, I have found it extremely helpful. Jesus Christ is the Son of God and came to earth to show us how to be the best he is the epitome of human goodness. He is loving. He is kind. He is bold. He will not stand for injustice. He understands everybody and wants to help.
looking to him in these interactions um, brings me hope. When he was here, he shared some of God's plan with, with us. We we're all meant to be here. We we're all chose to be here on earth before we were born. And we agreed that we needed to learn how to be like Christ, how to be the, the best humans we can be. And we knew that it'd be hard, but that we'd have families, that we'd have people, um, parts, parts of Christ, parts of God to love along the way. And we would need to make mistakes to learn. There needs to be an opposition in all things, light and dark, day and night, joy and pain. We would not know one without the other. And we would make mistakes that are horrifying. When I think about what I learned in history about people who were lynched, pregnant women who were murdered by crowds of white people who killed their babies and hung them over bridges. I cannot fathom how someone could do that and how justice could be served. But Christ died for every single person on this earth, for that pregnant woman, for the people in the crowd and experienced every moment of our lives with us, the joy and the pain. He suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane for us spiritually. And then he died for all of us physically so that one day we could rise again. And God's plan is for us all to learn the best we can and one day to create the kingdom of God, a place of unity, righteousness, and no poor. And I believe that my vision of what that looks like is beautiful and is of God, and that all of us have a vision for the, the best world um, that can be that drives us and that we share with the people we love and trust. And it hurts to hear when people don't see things the same way. But that those three things, unity, righteousness, and no poor, those are um, from a scripture in Moses um, 5, 17, I believe. <laughs> um, and I attached my testimony to this scripture and to a talk by um, Anthony Perkins called The Greatest Cause in History. And it's about Christ and it's about creating Zion, the kingdom of God, this world. Um, and <laughs> it's given me so much hope.
because the weight of these problems is unbearable, but Christ bared them, and he has suffered everything, and he has a plan. (laughs) And I really believe that we can make a world that is unified, that is righteous, and that does not have any poor. That's what we're working towards, and it's painful and hard, and it takes time. And we're all learning together how to get it done. So, (laughs) translating Christ into all of this is key to eliminating fear and to bringing love and respect. So, this country is a patriarchal country built on white culture, dominated by white culture, and is slowly being colored um, and woven (laughs) into a beautiful tapestry of culture and of ideas and of femininity and matriarchy and everything in between. Um, But there's still a lot of work to do. If you imagine America as a family, we have had a unhealthy father governing the choices of our nation's children, I guess. I, in the Republican Party, the bills they support um, of anti-choice, of gun rights, are in principle good, (laughs) depending on how you look at it. Babies are so wonderful. We love babies so much. They are essential to happiness. (laughs) I have been so anxious my whole life, really, but especially this year. Um, But being around my little nephews, Peter and Warner, and teaching at Montessori Community School, little toddlers and babies, um... They are so precious, and they remind us that you can just blow bubbles and have birthday parties just randomly, and that's all you need to worry about. (laughs) It's okay to just exist, and they bring you into the present. So if you have not been spending time around kids or around dogs or animals, I highly recommend it. If you are um, not um, with bad intentions, please be good. (laughs) Um, But going back to um, choice and childbirth and being pregnant um, and all the stress people have around um, women in this 
predicament. Um, <laughs> everyone just wants people to be happy. And especially sweet babies. So, um, I'm sure p- women who have abortions did not want to be pregnant. <laughs> did not want to be in the position of um, choosing to have an abortion. Um, or they are in a very painful place where they need to lose a child they wanted. This, it is so disrespectful to, it is so disrespectful of whole organizations to think that they have any room in someone's personal painful experience in this. Of course we want babies to live. And I most people I talk to who want choice for women in what to do with um pregnancy um dislike that abortion happens <laughs> Um, and we want to lessen that experience for anyone, but it is yelling at a crying child and telling them to be silent to pass legislature against any option for relief. You are dismissing the problem. You're building resentment. We need kind, nurturing men and women and people. We need kind and nurturing and listening legislature and governess. When you yell at a crying child instead of observing them, listening to them, you are dismissing their needs. And maybe they'll stop crying, but they will still be sad. And that will pat, that will linger. But if you approach a crying child whose heart is hurting and you come down to their level, look them in the eye and say, I'm sorry, this hurts. I know this is what you want and it's complicated and direct them, be with them. They will feel understood. They will feel empowered. They will find joy soon. 
And when it comes to our American family, as well as many other cultures and countries, we need to raise the matriarchy. We need to raise feminine love for all men, women, and people. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals. <laughs> and there is a place for men. There is a place for love and understanding of the experiences of white men. And there is a need for respect and love for every single person. And we need forgiveness. I know that some of the phenomenons you hear about, like cancel culture, are frustrating because that type of... <laughs> so if you are standing up for people who are gay and who, like the queer community, I use that word in so much love and... um Please only use that word in love. <laughs> the LGBTQIA plus community who has been pushed into cramped corners, murdered. <laughs> For years, so many loved, precious people lost to suicide compared to people who don't know what they're talking about, don't know how harmful the things they're saying is. When you hear that person who is homophobic or transphobic say something like, I can't say anything anymore. I will be canceled. That is ridiculous. That is so hard to listen to because they don't understand how easy they have it. <laughs> and that's true. That is true. But progress cannot happen without love. And when we hear terms and ideas they all have a different effect on us. When you see um, a Trump 2024 flag or when you see a queer love rainbow transgender flag, um, you may have two very different responses. But they're, they, it's weird how we're all the same. We all come from the same material and structure, but, and we're all experiencing the same emotions. If you feel fear towards either of those flags or feel comfort towards either of those flags, we're feeling the same things. <laughs> 
And even if we don't understand each other, God understands. And the political spectrum ranges um, from liberal to conservative. That's how I understand it. And neither is the party of Christ. You cannot use Jesus to prove your point. That doesn't work. (laughs) It is blasphemous. You can use Christ in love, in faith, in hope, in conversations that bring, that are honest, that are not trying to be right, that are curious. But in this unified, righteous, no poor kingdom, there is a place for conservative and liberal understandings. There are pieces of the puzzle that we all need from each other. Whether you like to hear it or not, it's true. There's opposition in everything and there is everything exists for a reason and we can't ask it to not exist. But anger, it should not be silenced. It is important. So where do we place that? Do we yell at our family members? Do we yell online? Do we have heated discussions on a Facebook post? That hasn't gotten me super far, at least without respect and love and acknowledgement of this human I'm talking to. I've loved getting to go on hikes with my aunt who is more conservative than I am and has less understanding of some of my issues but is curious and getting to do fun things together and recognize that we are both trying to figure life out we are curious I got to go on a hike with my aunt and we got so close getting to talk about the history in America of um, homophobia and how in the 40s, 60s, all too recently, there were commercials, there were speakers in elementary schools saying that if you are gay, you might as well not be here. You should not exist. If you are gay, you are the worst thing. If you are gay, you are a pedophile. You cannot, you do not want or cannot, are not capable of having healthy relationships, healthy romantic relationships. When in the documentary called The Stonewall Uprising that I watched in my gender studies class with Professor Antunes. There was a recording of a man speaking to young, maybe middle school age children, saying these exact things, that one in three of you will be gay. And you better not be. <laughs> These 
people, these children, <laughs> they're, you cannot control who is queer. You cannot exclude, you cannot control it. If you are in a ward, a family ward, any family on earth can have a children, do have children that are not straight, that may not be, fall into masculine or feminine, may do things differently. And if I grew up in a family and in a world that was sending people who felt that way to conversion therapy where they were shocked to try to change them where they were some were vegetableized many were ostracized created became poor were beaten by police when they tried to be with people like them, were murdered when they dressed as drag queens or were transgender. If I grew up in that world, I would, I wouldn't be here. Because even now, after the Stonewall Uprising and the Pride March, in our world today, there is still violence and hate towards people who, for being themselves. And I grew up in high school and had feelings for girls and I had it very easy compared to many people in the LGBTQ community. But if I had grown up in that world, I would not be here. I would not choose to be here. I would be so afraid even more than I was now <laughs> in high school, feeling afraid. We need love. And I got to share this with my aunt and <laughs> we were on a hike. We were smiling. We were talking about how this relates to Jesus. There isn't a, in my faith, there's a lot of talk about um, the family proclamation, that families are important, that they protect our spirits, that um, that many people have taken this um, peace and 
made the phrase, there's an attack on the family of a marriage between a man and a woman, there's an attack on the nuclear family. But I would say there's much larger attack on families that aren't typical like that. There are so many wonderful families, wonderful parents who are both men, who are both women, who um, are transgender, who are non-binary, who are loving. And we need to make space for people to exist in our world. And there is um, goodness in all types of families. And we all need guidance on how to love each other and how to have healthy relationships. I think that we need, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and leaders, there needs to be less, there needs to be no dialogue saying, um, that families that aren't um, between a man and a woman um, aren't allowed to exist or having feelings like that. And I think we're getting there. Our, the President Nelson and other church leaders have vowed to and directed members of our church to eliminate any prejudice towards people because of race, gender, sexual orientation. Religion. And they recently changed their youth manual something that is a little more principle-based. But instead of this dialogue, we need to tell people and teach people how to be confident in who they are, how to trust themselves in the decisions they make, and how to have healthy relationships and know what kind of partner to look for. And know how to value other things in life, like family. And how to have balance between it all. There's a place th for these conversations. There's a place for curiosity and for hope. And if you don't have energy to do that, that's fine. But the last thing I'll talk about on this episode is Uri Broffenbrenner's um, human ecology theory. As an environmental studies major, I love ecology. Ecology is the study of the natural world and um, the most successful and healthy environments are ecosystems that are biodiverse, that have millions of types of species of insects and animals and plants 
And the more diversity there is, the more growth there is. If there's just one crop, you don't produce as much. But it's the same for humans and the way we interact. There's so many intersecting components that it's hard to comprehend. It's amazing and beautiful, and it's just as complex as the way nature works. But Uri Braffenbrenner made a chart, you could say. <laughs> you can look it up online. It kind of looks like a target. So there's a big, large ring, and a smaller ring, and then a circle in the middle. In the middle is you. The microsphere. Around you is your school, or sorry, your peers, your family, maybe your work friends. <laughs> then in the bigger circle, there's your mesosphere, your local government, education, police, um, stores, <laughs> businesses economy and in your macrosphere is perhaps um, our nation's government um, the economy as a whole the world economy things that are so so massive and you can make the most change where you are <laughs> And I have gotten lots of anxiety about changing the world and solving all the problems. And I bet many people feel the same way and are trying to dedicate their careers and their lives to helping create the kingdom of God and to solve these problems, to create the best world. Um, but we got to do it together. And my theory is that um, we, need to we need to approach social change differently at each of these levels. Because anger may not have a place or be effective in your personal circle on Instagram. Even in a conversation with your most conservative friend, if you manage to get them to where you are at, to your perspective, what are you two going to do? <laughs> that's great, but like, that's not the whole problem. <laughs> I mean, so that, that type of change does not make large as large of a movement as we think it will. I think there is where we need to have be, make room for slow change for relationships of trust. That's a term I learned from the nonprofit Braver Angels. They have a podcast all about politics and bipartisanship, and they talk about a lot of these same ideas that as we learn to respect each other, we can stop attacking problem people <laughs> and attack problems together and be curious about them and 
contribute and listen instead of trying to convince and be right and judge. It's distracting. All picking apart every little thing a politician says or judging the way someone drinks a cup of water. That is a distraction. <laughs> it may make you laugh, make you feel good, but please don't spend all of your energy there. There's big need for humor in all of this and in life and fun and dancing and anyway there's also need for anger and anxiety well ink right <laughs> i hate to say it but there is a purpose for being anxious there are many things i'm learning i do not need to be anxious about Mostly in my inner circle, I've approached things with anxiety and anger. And where I should be directing that energy, where it will be most effective, is in grassroots efforts, is in my mesosphere, is in creative um, change. That's a term I learned from Audrey Lord who's a black feminist who I read an excerpt from her book in my gender studies class called Sisters, Sister Outsider. And I bought it and I'm excited to read it, but also <sighs> gotta have peace of mind as well. So I don't always have room for thinking about these things, but that's why I made a podcast because the energy is still there. Anyway, in the mesosphere, I have seen... We have all seen how the civil rights movement, the Pride Stonewall Uprising, the um, women's rights movement, they protested. They were loud. They were, they took differing approaches in the Stonewall Uprising. So what happened there, that um, was what, when the queer community rose up against the police officers that had been abusing them and killing them. Um, they had been told all their lives that um, <clears throat> they were wrong, they were crazy, and as they were able to find each other in the most outskirts part of society um, in bars and even in um, cargo containers. They couldn't go on dates to drive in because they would be shunned by everyone and would not be pretty. So of course that will be the lifestyle that they are forced into. Anyway, um, even in those places, police would raid these areas, these bars, speakeasies, where gay men, gay women, lesbians, transgender 
people, drag queens, they would come to these places, they would beat them, they would make people run and leave, and many people died. But as they, as this community grew, they realized, no, we are not crazy. We are normal. We do, we are, like, we are loving. We do want successful and happy relationships. And we're not going to stand for this violence anymore. And the Stonewall Uprising could be called a riot or, um be criticized for its violence but they were standing up against violence that had already been happening and they fought the police and they scared them so much that they were able to uprise and um weeks following they had a huge gathering in new york city where they all marched and the end the first pride March that liberated so many people in so many ways. Oh my gosh. They would, it would be a, something a police could charge you for if you wore more than three items of clothing that were not typical of your gender. That's how crazy people were. (laughs) Anyway, I'm glad we are where we're at now, but that anger and violence may be scary to a lot of people. I know a lot of people were alarmed and afraid by um, a lot of what was happening um, because of George Floyd's death, George Floyd's murder um, by police. After that, people were very demanding of justice and um, were violent and rioting, but they were uprising in any way. It, um, it is not senseless violence. It is not happening for no reason. You need, this is a crying, this is a crying child that, um, there needs a parent to listen, to understand. And anyway, so this type of approach reminds me to some extent of in the civil rights movement, Malcolm X was a leader who disagreed somewhat with Martin Luther King's idea of um, progress through peace. And um, I don't know that much about it, but I know that they got things done. So (laughs) there, there sometimes is a need for that. But on the other side of the coin, activism in creative activism in your community um, can follow as well um, Martin Luther King's philosophy. He has a quote that I love that says, Darkness cannot shut out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot shut out hate. Um, Only love can do that. And anyway, ideas that have crossed my mind that make more change than um, posting on Instagram and me being insecure about what people are thinking, even though many people have been really nice to me as I've um, 
spoken ab- uh, about these topics respectfully and open-mindedly. Um, other ideas for action in the mesosphere um, are going to school board meetings to talk about um, to represent people who um, are queer, who need support in the school system and share more insights um, that are needed to have conversations with people in your police um, enforcement about their experiences with Black Lives Matter and with um, the pressures of being a police officer where you often encounter horrifying situations, horrifying um, people who have died, um, being called at any time of day in a culture that I don't understand might be kind of rough. (laughs) That's not something I've gotten to do yet, but I hope to interview a police officer and hear their ideas um, and what they want to see. Um, I will say, when I lived in Seattle um, this summer, summer 2022, um, I got to go to the Pride March in Seattle, and there were police cars driving down the street that had rainbow flags on the side, and I loved it. It was so great, and it's fun to see things like that. Um, More peace. But anyway, yeah, more of that, Um, and talking with legislators and representatives, calling them up, asking them to support certain bills, Getting involved in nonprofits gives so much hope and excitement and actual change instead of the anxiety that I get when I try to solve things online. (laughs) Um, I am always down to learn about um, social issues or grassroots organizations that are solving problems, teams communities doing great things um one thing that I think should be talked about more is how first of all um grassroots movements are what have made a ton of change um often that's how change is made is when communities are involved um in the decision making of business owners and political leaders Um, on local levels and national levels, um, worldwide, I guess. But um, (laughs) uh, that's something I will need to go into um, as well going forward. But um, a lot of the groups that have supported people in the civil rights movement and in various environmental justice um, protests are have been church groups specifically I think church groups of, with people of color um, African-American 
churches, especially, obviously, for the civil rights movement. But um, I think that's so cool. Grassroots movements, church groups are where it starts. And another way to make creative change I'm working on is discussing these ideas and issues with my bishopric and with their partners. And that's um, another mesosphere area. But anyway, I hope that these thoughts give you hope and more direction on what to do with these crazy problems happening in the world. And I hope that you're able to take time away from all these thoughts and just exist and just be with the people around you and ask people in your family how they're doing and be grateful, be meditative, be prayerful, be sad, (laughs) be you. Be loving and hopeful and kind. Um, well, I think it's time to say goodbye. I will do research into children's television shows to know how to, um, make a good outro. I'll just say, um... If you're having a hard day, you should listen to um, the album by Fred Rogers, Won't You Be My Neighbor, because it's you I like, just the way you are, and you should like yourself too. I'm working on it. It's not easy, but I don't know. I had a lot of fun talking to myself in this podcast, and so thanks for joining me, and um, Till next time, goodbye.